T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride. It's interesting. I got a text. One of the many texts we've gotten this evening is about uh, telling, reminding folks to bring your pets. If you got an outdoor pet, or outdoor dog or cat, make sure that you bring them in tonight because it is really cold. Uh, so don't forget to do that. I, I grew up and I had hunting dogs uh, who were we kept them outside and. When it got this cold, we would bring them into the basement because, you know, it's cold, even for a hunting dog with big, thick fur. And so it was really funny bringing in dogs that aren't pets who are normally kept outside, and you'd bring them into our basement, and they would, you know, they just didn't, they they were in in heaven, and they didn't know how to handle it uh, because they didn't get to spend any time inside. So that was kind of funny. But sure, if you've got pets outside, make sure uh, that you get them in because it's going to be below zero tonight. So don't let your pets stay outside. One of the things that was mentioned in the top of the hour news from CBS News was that the January 6 committee issued their final report, and it was published here about uh, an hour or two ago. And as most of you have heard earlier this week, the January 6 committee sent a recommendation to the Justice Department recommending that Donald Trump be charged with various crimes, including uh, the crime of trying to overthrow the government. So I mentioned this because I, I, I wanted to look at the statutes that were referenced by the January 6th commission and look at this not from a political perspective, not to say, oh, the January 6th committee is a witch hunt. It's a political witch hunt and they're just trying to get. President Trump or saying, oh, well, President Trump just wanted to overthrow the country, not from a political advocacy position, but to see, do these charges have any merit legally? And also to discuss why, from my perspective, why I think these charges are framed the way that they are. So I'm not going to go through them all because I don't want to bore you to sleep. But I do want to mention this. Because all of these charges, there's various charges uh, under Section 18 U.S.C. of the United States Code, talking about overthrowing the government, overthrowing the country. But all of those crimes require something that's called mens rea. What does mens rea mean? Mens rea is a fancy Latin term 
which essentially means you have the intent to commit a crime and then you commit it. In other words, there has to be uh, a a pre-existing desire to commit the crime and then you carry it out. Now, let me give you a quick example. If someone steals a candy bar out of a out of a 7-Eleven, they see the candy bar, they think about, okay, I'm going to steal that candy bar. The person takes it, sticks it in his or her pocket, and, and he or she runs out the door. That shows mens rea. The person saw it, acted upon it, committed the crime. But if you've got a kid with a backpack and the backpack turns around and hits the uh, display rack and a candy bar falls into the back of the backpack, it's still leaving the premises with an item, but there's no intent to steal. So that would lack what's called mens rea. So I'm, I'm not trying to make your eyes gloss over with legal jargon and concepts, but I want to make sure that when you hear that President Trump has been charged with insurrection, the statutes that are listed in the recommendation from the January 6th commission all require mens rea. It all requires that President Trump intended to commit insurrection and then did it. Now, why is that important? Because if I'm giving a speech and unbeknownst to me, I accidentally say some word that causes the crowd to go into a frenzy. Like I remember when I went on a, on a mission trip once with my church to Mexico, we were told certain words you can't say in Mexico because to them it's curse words and they'll get all upset and we could start something if you say these words. So if I'm giving a speech and I accidentally say a word unintentionally that causes a, a riot to break out, I certainly can't be held responsible for that legally because I lack the intent to cause them to riot. It was just an accident. But if I'm giving a speech that says, go and burn this house right now, and then everyone goes and burns that house, at least in theory, I might be able to be held legally responsible for that. So I wanted to break that down for you, because when I look at these charges, particularly the one of insurrection, and I look at the words that President Trump used, I'm not advocating on his behalf. Uh, I, I actually never voted for President Trump. But as I look at what he said, there's nothing in the words that he used that could ever be classified legally as an intent to cause a riot. Zero. Now, when the January 6th commission was first formed, I had a lot of complaints about the way it was picked and the people who were on there and you couldn't bring out adverse witnesses. You couldn't cross-examine witnesses. So it's the, the phrase kangaroo court certainly applies to this situation. But even having said that, if you look at what they were charged to do, I told you right here on KMOX when this started that to make a plausible case of criminality on the part of President Trump, the main thing that had to happen was this. There had to be some evidence of coordination or linkage between President Trump personally and like the Proud Boys or the other organizers of the Stop the Steal rally uh, to actually cause violence as opposed to simply having a protest that got out of hand. And I said legally you had to have that to even hope to hold President Trump criminally responsible for what happened on January 6th. 
So we've gone through these months and months and months and months and months of hearings. I've reviewed the evidence. I've been watching it. I've been looking at the highlights. And as I reviewed it yesterday and today, I still see nothing. In fact, we've gotten no new information literally since the beginning of these hearings. And the damage that was caused by those who were rioting was horrific. It was wrong. Many of those have been criminally charged and prosecuted, and I'm glad they did it. And for those who actually had plans to start a riot, those individuals as well have been charged and even convicted, I think, in at least two instances. Now, I'm not sure those convictions are going to stand on appeal, but they've certainly been convicted of the charge of insurrection. But when you look at President Trump, the words that he used, there's nothing that would even come close to falling under this idea of criminal speech. Now, why do I say that? There's a very famous case that came from the U.S. Supreme Court. It came out in 1969, and it's called Brandenburg versus Ohio. Very famous case. And this case from the Supreme Court is the case that establishes this idea that free speech needs to be protected, even if it's speech that, you, that we as a society reject. So Brandenburg in Ohio in 1969, he was a member of the Ku Klux Klan, and he was advocating. He was actually spewing anti-Semitism. He was spewing racist messages, and he was suggesting that people should go and commit harm against African-Americans and Jews. Now, that didn't happen, but he was advocating it. And so he was arrested under Ohio law that said it's against the law to advocate violence against these groups. And he was arrested and charged and convicted. His case went up on appeal, and it appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court overturned those criminal charges. And in doing so, what the court said is, is that there must be an intent to incite, and I'm quoting, eminent lawless action. So even if President Trump would have stood up and said, I hate this country, I want the government overthrown, I want this uh, every member of Congress to be overthrown, I want this country to be violently overtaken, and then it happened. That, in all likelihood, even that would not be enough to convict a person for insurrection when it comes to just their speech, not their actions. Because there's been no evidence that I know of that President Trump has had organized or participated in organizing anyone to overthrow the government. It was a protest, and these things happen every day. And in fact, the strongest words that I could find that President Trump spoke on January 6th was, we're going to fight like hell. We're going to fight like hell. Those were the strongest words. But yet, how many times do we hear that phrase? We hear it in basketball games. We hear it at football games. We hear it in baseball games. We hear it in, in, in the context of acts that don't involve actual fighting. But it's a phrase. And at no point in time did President Trump say, although he did say, I want you to march on the Capitol, at no point did he say, I want you to march on the Capitol, I want you to break in, I want you to take uh, Nancy Pelosi hostage, I want you to do violent acts. There were none of those types of directions. So 
legally speaking, I just cannot see in any way, in any way, that there's any connection legally between what President Trump said and what actions were taken by the crowd on January 6th. So I think at the end of the day, much like President Trump's uh, impeachment, both of the impeachment proceedings, I think these this is ultimately going to fail. And uh, I've got just a couple of minutes here, but before we take a break, I want to mention why this is happening. Because to me, it's crystal clear why this is happening. If you look at the 14th Amendment, in fact, I talked about this uh, with Carol Daniel here on X yesterday morning. If you look at, this, at the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it specifically states that if any person engages in insurrection or rebellion against the United States, then that person is ineligible to serve as a senator or a representative in Congress or an elector or hold any other office, civil or military, under the United States. So it's clear that the intent of the January 6th committee is to find President Trump guilty of insurrection and by doing so invoke the 14th Amendment, Section 3, to prevent him from becoming president again. Now, again, I'm not advocating in support of President Trump, but I'm letting you know that that legal theory is extremely, extremely tenuous. Now, why do I say that? Very briefly, if you look at Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the last sentence of Section 3 says this, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. Disability meaning you've engaged in insurrection against the United States, and you can remove that provision from Section 3 of the 14th Amendment by a vote of two-thirds of Congress. Well, that's actually happened. In fact, it's happened twice, at least from my count. It's happened on two separate occasions. But the most recent was called the Amnesty Act of 1872, where two-thirds of Congress voted to remove that disability if, if a person commits an act of insurrection against the United States, they're no longer eligible to serve or hold office. Congress removed that in the exact manner as prescribed under the 14th Amendment. So if you look at all of the hurdles that has to get over, in addition to one other major hurdle, the Constitution specifies that you have to be a certain age and you have to be a citizen of the United States to be president. But if you look at the 14th Amendment, it doesn't say that it specifically applies to the president. So applying the Constitution, it would seem like that uh, that part, Section 14, cannot override Articles 1, 2, or 3 of the Constitution that specify the qualifications to become president of the United States. I lay all that out for you for this reason and this reason only. If anyone thinks that this in of itself legally is going to prevent President Trump from becoming president, it's a near impossibility. Now, politically, it very well may could because people have already turned. We saw that the Republicans are really turning against President Trump in large measure. Uh, his candidates did not win in the November election. And so it may have the political impact of preventing him from being president, but it won't have the legal impact of blocking his presidency. Hey, we got to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll cover this and more, including 
your Christmas traditions, 314-436-7900 on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.